Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success and how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. On this bonus episode of Conversation Mill, we meet Taylor. He is a financial advisor with Edward Jones. I met Taylor five years ago and spent time getting to know him when I saw him in the gym I managed. I ultimately went to his office and created a financial plan with him. After years of following his advice and seeing the dedication he has for helping people from all walks of life to have a more secure financial future, I knew he would be the perfect guest to bring financial advice to our listeners. In part one of our conversation, Taylor shares his background, his own small business experience, and how he became a financial advisor. You can hear the rest of my conversation with Taylor at conversationmill.substack.com as part of our Cornerstone episodes for paid members. This year, we have Cornerstone episodes to add value to you professionally and personally. Additionally, I would encourage parents to listen to these two episodes with their kids ages 12 and up. The more opportunities teenagers have to learn about creating a strong financial future, the better, as we are seeing a lack of financial literacy being taught in our schools. Join us on Substack for part two of this conversation and for all Cornerstone episodes. Again, that's conversationmill.substack.com. What led you to a career in financial planning or wealth management? Or is that how you describe what you do? Uh, That is a really good question. So uh, I was in small business before. So, uh, and I know I have shared this story with you in the past, but (laughs) my, uh, my story went, I got my girlfriend pregnant at 17. So I needed a job. And so with that, uh, I went into heating and air conditioning and worked my way up to be one of the owners of the company. So I never really got a chance to I needed something recession proof and I needed something um, that I just, I don't know, that somewhat interested me that I was going to be able to do that I wasn't going to worry about losing my job. So as a small business owner in that space, I got to work with other small businesses and then large businesses, institutions, schools, um, all sorts of different stuff. So I, I got a lot of my business experience from that. And I did that for quite a long time. I worked for kind of a boutique kind of a firm and we did uh, service work and we did large construction stuff. So, so from there, uh, I can fast forward. And in, uh, in 2008, I realized that there was a God and it wasn't me. My whole world kind of revolved around just thinking that, yeah, the world revolved around me. And so, so from that point forward, 
that's where I started realizing that there was probably more in life to making money and I made really good money. So uh, it, it, although it was never really my motivator, I think it was what prompted me to, to start really digging in and asking some questions. I had some super wise people around me who challenged me and said, Hey, you know, you may, you may be good as like a coach. And I was like a coach. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm the worst. There was just no way I couldn't be a coach of anything. I've never had a coach. I had a couple of kind of, uh, not great examples of, uh, coaches in my life, father figures who were pretty involved in work. So I, <laughs> we really felt called down to Florida. I'm a Chicago kid, Western suburbs by trade. And, uh, and so that's where the business was. The HVAC company was that I was, I was working in and became one of the owners. Uh, in 2012, I sold out of the company and, you know, now I'm like, Hey, I felt like Midas, whatever I touched kind of turned to gold. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen because I started a couple of, of for-profit companies that both failed. So I, it was super humbling for me to be able to go, okay, so maybe I, Maybe I can't just, you know, touch something and make it happen. And it was funny because so we moved to Florida, really felt called, had no idea what we were going to do, had actually started kind of a consulting company to help businesses because I had run operations, I had run sales. And I'm like, there's tons of small businesses. And it was so funny because everybody's like, oh, you're going to go start a heating and air conditioning company in Florida, right? And I'm like, never, ever, 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 ever. I'm like, it's just not happening. So, um, but yeah, the the whole idea of doing some consulting, nobody knew who I was or what I was about. So that was a total flop. And, And through our church here in town, I was recruited by Edward Jones. And so I barely trusted my financial advisor. I felt like he was stealing from me. I just didn't know how. And, uh, who's still a close friend of mine today, but he, he was like, Hey, you know, I, I reached out to some people and was like, Hey, is this a thing? And they were like, you know what? I really believe this could maybe be a thing for you because, you know, Ed, Edward Jones, the place I'm working now was all about, um, trying to find people who had experience in business and who could, who could help small businesses, whether it was a startup or whether it was helping people pay less in taxes. And yeah, and that's how I got started. So I actually just celebrated nine years. I've been really grateful to be able to help some people, whether they were job changers or just, as you know, there's tons of small businesses. It is the backbone of Southwest Florida. One person bans, um, you know, tons of women in business, tons of, uh, of people who aren't from here in business, whether they're, you know, um, yeah, from another country or just from another area, lots of transplants. So, uh, but yes, so uh, you asked specifically, um, I'm a planner by trade. So, uh, I pay people at Edward Jones to do the wealth management. I have a little bit of uh, an enjoyment in that, but but truly, I pay really smart people. My job is to help figure out where the money, uh, what the plan is for the money, and then we figure out together if it's shorter term money. We're just doing stuff like money markets and CDs, stuff that never goes down. The principal never goes away. We just get you some dividends and some interest for for that kind of stuff. But any kind of intermediate or longer term money, there's some things we can do to be able to to make it grow safely. And um, and yeah, it all just depends on kind of what people are after. You mentioned um, that in that first company, that HVAC company, that you worked your way up to ownership. And we hadn't really planned on talking about this today, but can you share with our listeners a little bit about that process? Because I think a lot of people have the idea that the only way to be your own boss is to start your own company and become an entrepreneur. 
but that's also very scary to people if they don't have a background in that or they've never seen how entrepreneurship works. It's also a lot of risk, and some people are risk adverse, and that's okay. So how can you start at the bottom of something and grow to an owner? I think that's that's a really interesting story. Can you share a little bit about your journey and what you had to learn to get up to that ownership position? Sure. Um, so two things. Uh, I went, going back to the whole girlfriend pregnant thing, I went back to school as an adult, right? So that was number one. I, For my own just desire to learn, I'm, I've always been a lifelong learner, uh, reader of things, leadership development. I, I paid people smarter than me to help me learn. Um, so that was number one. I, I really wanted, so I went back to school for business and, uh, and got my degree, paid my own way through school. And, um, I started in, uh, in sales. So, and I would have never referred myself as a salesperson cause I didn't like salespeople. I felt like salespeople and attorney attorneys, I just had a really bad view of what they were. I always felt like they were trying to give somebody something they didn't need, you know, just the quintessential people doing things that were going to benefit them and not necessarily help someone else. And so that's how I started. I, I, um, it's another kind of funny story. So, uh, I went to trade school. So my, uh, my first step was to go to a trade school and I'll, and I'll never forget my mom, my mom agreed to pay for it. I'm, I'm 17 years old. I got to get a job. And there was this local, uh, environmental technical Institute. And I went to, I had to go at night. So I'm doing like, um, working for a property management company, like helping out around an office building uh, during the day. It's my day hustle. And then my night hustle is going to school and learning about HVAC stuff. And so, um, yeah, so I, I just essentially learned to trade. So, which I'm a huge proponent of, right? So I, I don't think everybody has to go to college. I think you can get into the trades and I'm a just so often people just send their kids to college and that's a lot of conversation we have. Some people just aren't wired to go to college. They just need to get into a trade. So for me, I had gotten into a trade. My circumstance kind of made that the right answer, I think at the time. And, um, and so I got into the trade, I got in with a company and, um, and then I was actually recruited away. It was kind of funny. I've never, I had up until Edward Jones, I had never done a resume. You know, you just friend of the family, somebody, you know, they're like, Hey, you'd be great here. And I remember being like, okay. And you go, you meet them, you have lunch with them. And before you know it, you're, you're working. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so I had, I've only really worked at three companies. And so I went from doing this property management gig to, um, working for this mechanical contractor. And the only reason was, is the trade school I went to, one of the teachers was an adjunct. And so I, just made friends with the teacher and the teacher was like, Hey, you got to meet our manager. And sure enough, I got hired over the phone and yeah, I went in. So I went in just thinking I was going to be a service technician and it ended up being a five hour interview because the owners were like, Hey, you're really good with people. You got good soft skills. Have you ever considered sales? And just like I told you, I'm like sales. I hate sales people. <laughs> and they were like, so that just the owner, everybody tried to convince me. They're like, look, Taylor, if you, give us six months doing sales uh, and it doesn't work out, we'll put you right back in a truck. And I was like, I won't do sales. And they're like, okay, don't think of it as sales. Think of it as project management. You go in, something's broken, you'll help somebody fix it. And then you'll happen to get a commission when the job is done. And then grew the biz. I'm assuming you grew the business through that sales. And then that opened up an ownership position or they gave you equity as part of your comp plan. How did that shake out. So it's interesting. So sometimes you have to make a move to be able to 
Um, so I said, I've only really had three jobs, right? So the first job I had was, you know, I was a, I was a laborer for this, this property management company. The first job I had in mechanical contracting was with Reedy and they went through a couple of really weird changes. They started getting kind of corporate and started losing that, uh, really helping folks. And it started getting more of the, Hey, how do we charge more to give people less? So I mean, I didn't love it, but it was still okay. And then I was recruited away and actually had to start over um, as a salesperson again. And that's where once I started over, I felt like I needed to do things a little bit differently. And so I kind of had an end of, man, I want to do this and be so profitable that somebody would maybe offer me an opportunity to have, to share in the profits at least, maybe not necessarily be an owner. So I kind of made that as part of my, this is what I'd like to do at this company. So I, I started in saying, hey, if I do a good job, would you ever consider this? And so the, the company I went to work for, Westside Mechanical, the second or the third real job, but the second mechanical contracting company, I kind of came in with that uh, understanding, which was, and it was funny because this was like, they were like, it was a real company that did, you know, they had their own sheet metal fab shop and it was this real boutique kind of place. So I worked the first place for almost 10 years and I worked at Westside Mechanical for almost 10 years. And so then by the time I, yeah, by the time I was probably three years in, I had saved up commission dollars to be able to buy in. And so I went and got a, uh, you know, I had to put a lot of pressure on them though, but I, I, yeah, I got a bank loan. So they helped me get financing inside of the company. And so, um, yeah, and I bought in as a, as a percentage of an owner and, uh, yeah, it was pretty scary, but, um, it was really cool. So it was an exciting endeavor. Again, gave me all the chance to understand about valuations and how to have all the benefits of being an owner without all of the risk of, of having to go, you know, be the only person signing my name. When you're thinking about starting a small business, especially if it's brick and mortar, which is becoming less and less, but is still a thing, food trucks are, are kind of a big thing that are on people's list to start they're thinking about what funds they're going to use to start those businesses. And they might have savings or they might have CDs or investments um, that they're thinking about, okay, how much of this cash do I take to start this business? So maybe we should start there. If someone's saving up because they need cash, whether it's for a down payment to get a loan for something like a food truck or whatever it may be, where should they be saving that cash? Let's say they're starting right now with two grand and they need to build to five, six, seven grand to get that investment in equipment. Where, where should they start putting that money over the next three years while they save to start their project? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Rebecca. And, and I, and I briefly touched on it, but so we, money that we know we need the principal to be there when, when we want that, let's just use that three to $7,000. If we know we're going to be putting a couple hundred dollars a month away and we know we have a target, um, we've, we've done some planning. We know our equipment, we know whatever it's going to be is going to be, let's say between five and 10 grand. Um, we, we always put money like that in either a very short term CD, like a three to six month CD, in this environment, in this interest rate environment, because that's where you'll get the most. Um, I hate when people use big words, but uh, so yield is the the fancy word, but it's, you're going to get the most interest. So you're essentially loaning your money to a bank. And so with a company like Edward Jones, we're not a bank, but we, we find a bank that will, uh, that is 
that is insured by the government. The FDIC is the is the the group that essentially says you're not going to lose your money if the bank goes under. You're you're never going to have to worry about your money going away. And um, so we find a bank that's FDIC insured. We loan them your money, and and the 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 benefit to you as the loaner of money is that they're going to pay you interest. So in three months, you you tie up your money for three months, and they're going to pay you right now about four point five five percent. Um, and now that's an annualized number, right? So you got to take that number. If you'd kept it in there for a year, that's how much interest you'd get for that time. Um, and then some money, if you think you're going to need it in the next one or two or even less than three months, we'd put it in a money market account. And those, depending on what bank we loan that money to, are paying like 4.1 to 4.2% um, to be able to have. And now again, you don't get as much interest, but the benefit is you're, you're you're losing the interest in the trade-off for liquidity, right? So you can use your money any day of the week. So if you know you're using the money in three years, we're going to do those short-term CDs. And if you know you're going to, uh, if you're not sure, and you're thinking, hey, uh, I just sold a house, I just sold a car, I just sold some asset, um, and I may need to buy something in again in a few months, we're never doing CDs because we don't ever want to have to break one of those. We're just going to keep it in some short-term um, instrument like a like a money market. So you put it in your CD at your bank, or uh, I'm sorry, you put it in a in a checking or a savings at your bank. You're not getting any interest, or you're going to get 0.01 percent. And so that's something that I can help people with, and business owners or you know potential business owners do. And that's usually what we say. I typically tell people money has to have a plan, right? I need to know what the money is going to be for, when we're going to spend it and how much it's going to be. And I got some really cool uh, local contacts and um, I'm a part of a couple of groups that I can help people do some, I get super excited to see if you've got the dream, my job is to help you think about all the stuff that you're maybe not thinking of. Um, how do we get the business set up? Is it an LLC? Is it we get you involved with some local professionals who can help you to make sure we're setting it up the right way based on what you're trying to accomplish. Join us on Substack for part two of this conversation and for all Cornerstone episodes. Again, that's conversationmill.substack.com. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish, while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com, where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week, and as always, thank you for your support.